You're listening to episode 102 of the Tennis Files podcast on how to record yourself playing tennis matches. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. I'm really excited to have you back on listening to the show. My name is Mirban Aranshad, and on the Tennis Files podcast, we help you improve your tennis game with interviews of the best tennis experts on the planet, as well as solo episodes. And today is going to be the latter, where I'm actually going to take you step-by-step in detail uh, and show you how to record yourself playing tennis matches. And it's not just matches, practices as well. Uh, and I want to really go into it in a bit of detail and even give you uh, prices and my my best option for you that I think is ideal. Um, but before I give you these options and uh, devices and other accessories that you need to use, which really isn't too much, I just want to talk about real quick why you should record your matches. And you might understand already some of these, but it's also always good to hammer them home, even if you already know them, so that it can help you take action. Because I talk to a lot of tennis players, a lot of my friends, I play in leagues mostly, and sometimes tournaments and practices. And first off, when I ask people if they record themselves playing, they usually do not. And uh, this is something that is very important to do. Uh, Whenever I whip out my uh, tripod and my camera, I definitely get some strange looks and they wonder, oh, is this for like Instagram or something? But it's not just for Instagram. It's also uh, for my own benefit. And When I go and serve, for example, when I practice my serves, I always bring my camera because it's so critical to be able to watch yourself play because that way it'll help you improve your game. You're going to see things that you didn't think you were doing technically. I mean, I remember in the past uh, whipping out the camera, recording my serve, and then realizing, whoa, what is this hitch that is going on? Um, in in my uh, my backswing, so that was super helpful, and I wouldn't have known that unless somebody pointed it out, which nobody had. And you can also watch yourself play in slow motion as long as you use the right settings, which we'll talk about a little later as well, which is super helpful because sometimes when you're playing back something in real time, then you won't quite see the little details as you would if you slowed it down, and uh, as well. When you record yourself playing matches, you're not only recording yourself, but that of your, your your opponent as well. So then you'll be able to see your opponent's tendencies, and you can take notes for next time. You can start to notice, oh, this person is actually making mistakes on one side or the other, or maybe they're having a lot of trouble with high backhand volleys, for example. And so you can figure out what strategies maybe worked for you in that match or that practice match. And uh, and what strategic m- mistakes perhaps you made, and so it's yeah, it's important, you know, it, you you really get what you put in. 
So, of course, it takes a little bit of extra effort to set up your camera or other device to record. And, yes, it takes more time to actually watch yourself, you know, watch the footage. A lot of people don't want to take the time to watch the footage. But if you do that, then it's really going to help out. And as we know in tennis, every single point counts. A lot of these matches and tournaments and USA League uh, playoffs, they always go to... Uh, the final set of the final match and the tie breaks, you know, 12-10. I mean, so even gaining one point edge uh, was is going to really help you out in the long run. So first off, I just want to mention that all the, the well, the equipment that I mentioned today, uh, the specific names that I mentioned, because obviously there's hundreds of devices out there and accessories, but they will be on the show notes page at tennisfiles.com slash 102. So that's uh, you can always get the episode uh, of your dreams. <laughs> I don't know why I said of your dreams, but any episode that you want to listen to from the podcast, uh, all you got to do is just go to tennisfiles.com and then the number there. And first off, you need a device to record, of course. So you essentially have three options here. Level one, so I'm going to go in levels in terms of uh, mainly the quality, the image quality. Level one is your smartphone. So some examples, as you probably know, would be the iPhone, the Samsung Galaxy, LG phones, etc. And the pros of using a smartphone are, first off, it's very easy to use. Um, The settings, I'm sure you've fiddled with them and taking selfies and videos and things like that. And uh, also very portable. You're going to be bringing your phone everywhere and you'll never forget it pretty much unless you are an airhead or something like that. I don't know, (laughs) but, um, you know, you'll always have your phone with you. It'll be easy for you to set slow motion in particular as well, which is a very helpful feature. Uh, But there are a lot of cons, I would say, a decent amount of cons. And first off is the battery drain. So, Let's say you're playing tennis uh, in the evening or something, your battery is already low, and then you start to record. I mean, recording video and taking pictures, that is actually one of the most battery-draining things you can do for your phone. So it is definitely a negative in using your phone uh, to record. You also will usually have limited memory. A lot of the phones out there are restricted to only the internal memory, I actually got an SD card for my Samsung Galaxy S9 Plus. So I have like 128 gigs in there and another 32, you know, another 64 internally. So that's a lot. But generally, like the iPhones, for example, you can't put in an SD card. So you're going to be limited. So if you have a lot of movies on your phone, then you might have a limited space. So you'll have to offload it quite a bit. So that can get annoying. Also, Phones are less durable, so we'll get into the mounting later, but you, unless you have a very good case, you might not want to put your phone at risk of being hit or dropped or things like that. And the cost, was we'll, we'll go through the cost of each of these devices and accessories, but the additional cost would be zero, which is fantastic because you already have a phone, and it really doesn't take like an amazing phone to record video so it's not a huge deal i mean if you need a new phone yes it can be like anywhere from a hundred to a thousand dollars depending if you want the iphone xi 12 million or whatever you want to call it but uh that is the first option so smartphone 
second option, level two, I would say, in terms of image quality, and phones are getting better, but a level two action camera. So I'm not sure if you're familiar with action cameras, but uh, a couple examples of these are the GoPro, which is uh, the most widely known brand, and also the Yi and the Yi 4K, which uh, clearly has 4K capabilities. But the pros of the action camera, as you could probably tell by the name, are they are quite durable in general because they're made to go to, to be used like um, when you're in uh, doing action sports. So maybe you're biking off road or you're swimming or you're underwater, things like that. And also they are quite compact in comparison with even a smartphone, but in comparison with other devices that we'll talk about later. So it's very easy to bring along. And you can also generally, to my knowledge, insert SD cards. So SD cards, common uh, amounts are like 32 gigs, 64 gigs, 128 gigs, 256 gigs. So it's great that you can insert uh, an SD card into action cameras. And the cons of action cameras are they do have a more limited use versus, well, I guess I'll spoil number three, but like, for example, dedicated cameras, DSLRs and such, um, because it's it's basically you're going to use it for either recording your tennis matches or maybe if you're like biking or or doing other off-roading things. I mean, you still could use it for more general purposes, but uh, there are a lot of other better devices to use for like family trips. I mean, even your phone, for example, is better um, in most cases. But uh, yeah, those are some of the pros and cons there. And the cost for uh, these action cameras, I've actually seen some as low as $60 and some as high as $500. So it really depends. If you just want basic HD functionality and you don't really care about audio quality, then you can get some decent ones for like 60 bucks. Um, but if you want like the highest quality 4K for action cameras, then you're going to definitely be spending several hundreds of dollars, most likely. Although I did see the Yi 4K Plus on sale for like 150 or 200 bucks, so that's not too bad. Now, level three, which is one that I personally like, but as we'll talk about, it's not always the best choice, is a DSLR uh, or a mirrorless camera. And also I'd lump into this category of video camera. And so some examples of these, one budget mirrorless camera is Canon M50. So that's a very nice little camera that's quite portable actually as a flip screen. Uh, Also the Sony a6400, that's a camera that I just got actually. Uh, It's a very nice uh, small compact camera. And then an example of a DSLR is a Canon T7i. And so the main thing with these, the pros really are, you're going to get the best image quality out of these cameras because they require the use of lenses. And these lenses are really made to often for um, professional quality standards. And you're just going to get the best images that, that possible. So that's it's pretty simple, actually. And you can get interchangeable lenses for different focal lengths and also better quality. But as far as focal length, what I'm talking about here is let's say you want a really wide view of the court. So then you can get something like a 10 to 18 millimeter type of lens because then that's going to provide you with the widest field of view there. 
And then let's say if you want like a tighter view, uh, which uh, you you don't want too tight of a view because you want to see yourself on the entire court, then you can get like a, a 30 millimeter or something like that. But again, I, I recommend actually like in the 10 to 18 millimeter range. But uh, but basically, you can get different lenses of varying focal lengths and quality, which is fantastic. And then you can actually also use these uh, either DSLR or mirrorless cameras or, or a video camera for other things like shooting um, your kids, a video of your kids or trips or other even, you know, if you want to freelance on the side or something like that and get some some uh, photography gigs like you can use these devices i don't believe that video cameras have the ability to change lenses so that's why a lot of people prefer dslrs and mirrorless cameras so uh, like i mentioned i'll link some of these devices and cameras and action cameras and so forth on the show notes page so a second very important element of uh, being able to record is, of course, you're going to need to mount or stabilize the device. So you can't just like lay these things on the ground and expect to see uh, a fantastic (laughs) field of view and have a great recording. So uh, and you also want your devices to be safe as well. So level one is having somebody holding the device to record you. And I know that's not really a mounting or stabilizing device, but I guess it's a mounting no, a stabilizing person. Anyway, uh, so examples of this are maybe your coach, a family member, even a friend, somebody who's watching. And the pro of this is that it costs nothing. But the con is that most likely whoever is doing this doesn't want to stand there for like an hour. And also, if it's a match, then you won't be able, you won't be allowed to have that person stand there for a long time. So, you know, it's... Uh, <laughs> You don't want to try and cheap out because then it'll prevent you from doing certain things. And, uh, you know, I think for short practices or just recording a stroke or something like that or a couple practice points, that's fine. But otherwise, you don't really want to use this option on a standard basis. And the reason for that is because the second option is is definitely pretty cheap. It can be as little as like ten bucks, and then if you want like a, a ridiculously a, a ridiculous, ridiculously great quality or or weight capacity, then you might pay like a hundred bucks. But level two is what we call a gorilla pod or perhaps a clamp mount. And uh, again, look on the show notes page for this. But uh, basically, what it's going to be is it's it's going to allow you to mount your phone, action uh, camera, or professional camera, video camera, to a fence or some equivalent. So basically, the great thing about the Gorillapod is it's a kind of like a small tripod, basically, but the legs are flexible, so you can actually loop them inside the fence. So normally, especially outdoors, the courts will have, uh, will have a fence-type um, back, well, I guess you'll be surrounded by a fence. So anyways, uh, you can actually mount it there and it'll be pretty secure. And also another option, as I mentioned, is a clamp mount as well. So you can actually like clamp the base to the fence and then have your your camera uh, mounted to it. And so these are, uh, you know, this is a great option and the least intrusive actually 
um, because it's going to be basically like hanging on the fence, so it's not going to be on the court, and that's that's a good option. A con of this is it's potentially less stable than sitting, than than having the camera on the ground or having it, uh, um, I guess, stabilized via the third option that I'm going to mention now. Uh, well, in a minute. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. But the problem also with this option is that if you're indoors, then a lot of times you won't really be able to use, like to be able to clamp it, the device at the back, you know, because it'll just be like some sort of tarp. So in that case, you might have to use the gorilla plod, excuse me, plod, the gorilla pod, and perhaps. Um, put it to the side or on the bench and then put it at a good enough angle, put the device at an angle to where you can still see yourself playing, but that's not as ideal. So level three is the tripod. And so you can get a tripod, uh, budget tripod. I think my first tripod I ever got was an Amazon Basics tripod. And that's like, it might even be less than 20 bucks, but around there. And then you have some some higher levels of that, like the Manfrotto tripods, and yeah, they're they're you know they range from all sorts of prices, from twenty dollars up to like many hundreds of dollars actually. But the pros here are it's quite stable, and uh, because basically uh, these ones are often like the height of it is uh, I would say like six feet on average, and you can uh, of course adjust them so they they they're not 6 feet. you're not carrying around a 6 foot tripod everywhere you can make it more compact so and then like extend it and then it'll go up to that type of height so it's great that you can have the camera actually stable and uh, you know supported by three legs generally for these well, that's the name tripod right try um, but supported by three legs and then adjust it to uh, your desired height and uh, that way you'll be able to have it um, very stable um, and with the ground because uh, it's I mean it's really up to your comfort level but especially if you have an expensive camera or a video camera then you probably want to use a tripod instead of kind of clamping it on the fence or securing it on the fence and also I should have mentioned if you do uh, use the fence option with the gorilla pod or clamp, then you probably want to use some sort of uh, special tape to just make sure that the device will not fall. So that's another little tip there. But if it's an action camera or a smartphone, then it's, it's less likely to fall than a professional camera. And also the cameras usually will cost more in general than your smartphone and especially than your action cameras. But there are some cons, of course, because as I mentioned, with having a person on the court, you know, with a tripod, sometimes you're able to actually put it behind the court and then have it 
looking through the hole in the fence. I mean, obviously there's many holes, but you can line it up like that, and then it won't. The tripod and camera won't even be on the court. Uh, the con to that is, you know, somebody could just swoop in and perhaps steal your whole rig, <laughs> which would not be great. But if you are having a practice match, or if somehow the tournament or league allows you to put the tripod in the very back of the court, which to be honest is kind of unlikely, then the tripod would work. But like for the best use of the tripod for me, uh, in my opinion, is practice matches or practices or serving. It's fantastic. You just bring your tripod, you set it up, extend it, and then you plop your camera on there or whatever device you want and then go for it. And with the tripod, as with the Gorillapod as well, depending on what uh, strength and, and size you get for the Gorillapod, you can mount your smartphone on there. If you have the smartphone adapter, you can mount uh, an action camera like the Eve or the GoPro. So you can mount those as well as the camera or video camera on there. So I like the tripod a lot. And then there's some other pieces of equipment too that you want to bring, especially if you're recording for a long time, and that would be uh, extra batteries uh, or a, a battery pack if you're using a smartphone. And also lens cleaner is also a good idea or like a brush to clean it, to, to clean your device. But my recommendation on average for most people, it would be to get the action camera plus a clamp mount or a gorilla pod. So I think that is the best option. And why I think that this combination is more versatile and compact than bringing a smartphone or a pro camera. And I would prefer myself to clamp a small action camera to the fence than my smartphone or a professional camera. And also... I prefer using the, the, the like mounting the camera uh, to the fence. And when I say camera, in this case, an action camera, preferably um, because a tripod, you know, think about it. Say if somebody uh, hits a really good lob, then you might have to run back. And then now what you're going to crash into your tripod. So that is definitely a danger of using a tripod. So that's uh, that's one of the main reasons why if you can I would I would prefer that you just clamp the action camera to the fence. And then also some other things too is it won't overheat like I I noticed that if I record with my smartphone for a long period of time then my phone gets really really hot and in in a couple cases it's actually turned off. So I mean that's if you're recording for a long time. So uh, also, you get more memory with the action camera because you can put in an, an SD card into the action camera. And of course, you can also do that with the professional camera as well. And then also, like one of the main reasons, honestly, for me is the durability because I would much rather have my action camera like inadvertently fall on the ground or bump into it when I'm really far behind, like in the very far end of the baseline. Uh, rather than having, you know, like a $1,000 phone get bumped into and fall or a $1,000 camera, the same thing. So that's really why I would prefer to just clamp the action camera 
uh, or wrap it around the fence. And that way it's also the least conspicuous as well. So it's not really that noticeable. And I should say it's best practice when you are recording something to actually ask the person you're playing with or the people you're playing with if it's doubles to just ask them, hey, you know, is it okay if I record our match or our practice? Because you definitely don't want somebody freaking out afterwards and saying, hey, what the heck, you know, I didn't want to be recorded, you know. So that is one other piece of advice. Also, I think with this setup, as I mentioned, you know, if I were you, I would get an action camera and it could be like a budget one and a clamp or a gorilla pod. But you could also just get a budget tripod as well. So for those times when maybe you're practicing uh, indoors and you can't really clamp your device anywhere, then just put your action camera on the tripod, put it as far back as you can on the court And then that way you'll be able to record yourself in those instances where you cannot mount your camera on the fence or the back. So um, also, as I mentioned, uh, sometimes you might need an adapter in addition to getting your mounting device, but those are pretty cheap. And some other thoughts are, you know, you want to record from the back, of course. That's great, especially if you're trying to figure out strategy. And, and also, I mean, technically, it's great. But you also want to try recording from the side as well sometimes. The side view is very helpful. For example, let's say if you're looking at your serve, you want to see, for example, whether you are what they call breaking the plane. So this is pretty much basically weight transferring, but sometimes people end up being too far forward, like their weight is not sufficiently on their back foot for long enough, uh, or they transfer that weight too early. So that is something that I've talked about in regards to racket fit um, before as well. So definitely want to check out prior uh, podcast episodes on that if you want to learn more about things like breaking the plane. Also, if you care about audio, some of the action cameras, as I, as I uh, previously mentioned, and even uh, cameras themselves and smartphones have crappy audio, so you definitely want to do your research. But the thing with that is is the main thing for recording yourself is to watch yourself playing, so I don't think audio is usually going to be super important. But also, if you want to use your device for other uses that needs audio, good audio, then that's something you want to think about. So just, again, do your research and read the reviews, watch hundreds of hours of YouTube videos like I did before I got my camera. Well, try not to to watch that much, but uh, that is something to consider. Also, you could use an iPad, but I'd recommend in that case somebody always holding the iPad behind you or on the side view, unless you want to risk smashing some expensive equipment, especially from the makers of the $999 Apple stand. (laughs) All right. I'm sure they've got enough ribbing on that. But um, yeah, so that's my, those are my thoughts on how you can record. And I hope you enjoyed the detail in this particular episode, because I know that I and other influencers and tennis experts talk about the virtues of recording but we don't always expand upon the actual gear that you need so just to recap three devices you can use are your smartphone your action uh, an action camera or a dslr slash mirrorless camera or a video camera as well 
And out of those, I recommend the action camera. But if you don't have an action camera uh, or a professional camera or video camera, just use what you have. Your smartphone is going to work just fine. And, it, you know, it's you'll, you'll always have it with you as well. Um, just be aware of some of the pitfalls, as I mentioned, like the battery draining and uh, the storage and, and things like that. And then as far as how to mount the device and stabilize the device, you could have somebody behind you uh, standing near you and recording you, but that likely that person won't want to stand there for too long. So if, especially if you're trying to record for a longer duration, either get a gorilla pod or a clamp mount where you can attach the that, that device, uh, your device to the fence. Well, actually, you're going to attach the gorilla pod or the clamp mount to the fence and then mount your camera on it and the third option is the tripod and so if i were you get the action camera plus a clamp mount or gorilla pod uh, if you can afford it get a professional camera um, for more crispy video uh, but if you can't just use your smartphone all right and as i mentioned all the links to the, to the gear will be in the description uh, in the show notes, actually, on uh, tennisfiles.com slash 102. And also let me know if you have some sort of different method for recording yourself. I mean, this these methods are what I've found through a lot of research and also my own experience. And uh, just let me know if you like this episode. And uh, if it was useful, I'll actually make a YouTube video uh, about it so you can actually see visually what's going on and some of the different video qualities that, that you can pump out as well. And uh, let's see if there's any other tips I can think of. That's about it. I mean, I can go a lot into the different features of these cameras. And for example, like with the professional cameras, you can actually record it in a high frame rate, like 120 frames per second, and then slow it down in a video editor, but I think that's probably a little too advanced for most of you, but uh, if not, just let me know. But I really do appreciate you listening to this episode, and if you liked it, I really would appreciate it very much if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast on the podcast app of your choice that you use to listen to the show, and you can do that on iTunes, which I think they changed the Apple podcast, but you can do that at tennisfiles.com slash iTunes. And I should probably change that now to podcasts or something. But uh, tennisfiles.com slash iTunes and hit the subscribe button there. And I also want to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of every show. And this one is by Robert Louis Stevenson. And Robert said, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap, but by the seeds that you plant. Really love that quote there. All right, really appreciate it as always, uh, your support and for listening to the show and uh, commenting and subscribing and so forth. And I'm really excited to bring you some fantastic episodes and interviews ahead. So look for that coming up every single week. All right, wishing you all the best and a fantastic tennis week and weekend. And until next time, we'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.